Yo, how's it going, everybody? So, I've got on today's episode, episode nine, my good friend, awesome guy in the industry, Matt Tootin. Say what up. What up? <laughs> Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's been too long. I think the last time yeah. I saw you was probably at your new venue in Columbia, the main yeah, course. Yeah, that was. It was the last time we saw each other, yeah. That was a... That was a really packed, good-looking show. Yeah, it was. There was like four hundred people, which is. It was. It was at capacity. Dude. Yeah, it was wild. Who was uh? Who played? Who was that again? It was actually Manic Focus. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 From Atlanta. Yeah, that was cool. That was one of the bigger EDM shows we've done so far. We work with a guy named Player One. A productions. He's based out of Charlotte or Columbia or something. He's like a. I feel like I've heard he's of like a one. geographer he like digs for gold for a living he went really? to like yeah he went to like school for geography and that's like what he does as a day job which is pretty cool and then book shows it's like a yeah like a well, yeah he runs this. a whole production company i mean the player one productions is really like a lot of people but Jake is kind of like the face of it. He DJs under the name Player One too. Oh, that might be where I've heard it as well. Actually, yeah. how about that? Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a good old prospect by day and prospect show thrower yeah. by night. Yeah, yeah, it's a, pretty interesting. You know, I mean, cool. I think most people now uh, in this industry do like multiple multiple things. So. Yeah, that's kind of what you got to do these <laughs> yeah, days to like yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. keep up after COVID and everything. Yeah, I mean, shit, really, even before, I think traditionally, you know, you look around and I mean, most people get into all kinds of stuff. You got a pretty long life, you know, so it's like you might be super focused on music and whatever aspect that you're doing it for a couple of years. But then, I don't know, at least for me personally, and I think I could speak for a lot of people, you drill that, drill that, drill that. And then you're like, all right, like what else is there in life, you know? Seriously, yeah, you start looking around and just, you know, that's like part of growing up. Yeah. But I do want to establish, like, for our listeners, um, like, our acquaintanceship and everything. What Can we take it back uh, a few years yeah. in this time yeah, machine? Yeah, 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 totally. So let's, let's, let's go all the way back to pretty much, like, the hundredth days. Yeah. So Matt was in a band from Myrtle Beach called the hundredth and they were popping out of there they were always ganging with aslan the charleston local band so mm -hmm. between hundredth and myrtle beach aslan and charleston they would always be like doing shows with each other and we had we loved aslan at the time like deslin and i and all of our friends and everything and that's how we got to play with us pretty often too the band that you guys were in yeah yeah i, I later I down felt the road, like y'all did yeah and then it wasn't until when i was moving back from texas that yeah we somehow got like all of us talking between you me and like Johnny. Well, you moved back from texas to to join our band is yeah, how so, i thought it went so we talked first and then yeah. it was like that was i was living in rock hill at the time i was going to school at winthrop uh in the upstate yeah and uh, this this is the story that i recall how we became in the band this is home okay all right, so good. I this is a pretty fun story actually I'll tell like the whole thing from my perspective <laughs> but I remember one day uh, the new circuit the circus survive record came out um, blue sky noise yeah and I was just so 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 into it and there was something about it that made me kind of like start writing music again and I remember one day I was we had a picture of Johnny Cash over the toilet of the house that I lived in and I remember putting my hand on one wall, leaving it over the toilet while I was taking a pee, and I was like, Johnny, <laughs> if I get, if I ever get the chance to sing in a band again, I'm gonna do it, man. Dude, I know this really happened. I it know did. You make that <laughs> it did. And then the next day, I got an email from our drummer in the band, Anthony, and he was like, Hey, man, love what you used to do in the hundredth. We're looking for a vocalist for this new project we're doing. And I was like, well, if that's not a sign. Wow. So I, at that point, I dropped out of school completely and just moved to Charleston on a whim. I packed all my shit in a U-Haul and drove down. But <laughs> we had talked before that's that because so awesome, we were trying to, you know, assemble everybody. And I remember talking to you in the kitchen of that house I lived in at the time. And uh -huh. we just, we would talk about like aliens and stuff, like <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Just like real right off campus. 
the Winthrop House? Uh, or yeah, I lived at this place. It was we called it like Valhalla. That was like the nickname of the house. But like a Halo level. It, yeah, well, that's the Viking Heaven is what. Oh, it that's is. what that really is. Yeah, oh. and it was. I lived with a bunch of different artists, like sculptors and painters and stuff. So it was kind of like an art house. I remember and, being um, like that. Yeah, I remember talking to you on the phone, and you were just trying to get a feel for, I guess, everybody in the band, because you already knew Johnny, and you already knew... Well, we knew each other too vaguely from the projects, yeah. but we never really, really spoke or hung yeah, out. Yeah, because we also went to Winthrop together for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we just... I remember talking to you on the phone, and we vibed so much. I was like, this dude's going to be my best friend in the band. And, I mean, it was down to the point where, while, while we were doing this at home, we literally, like, dressed the same, so we looked like twins and shit. <laughs> I don't remember if you remember doing that, but dude, we definitely did. It's like we all... It's like girls on their period. <coughs> like, all the dudes just end up, like, being like each other that just, like, chop it up all the yeah, time. Yeah, that was just, like, I don't know, the unit vibe of it, too, but... At the time, every band I was in was just so much like a family, you yeah. know, that it just, that, that was just the natural way of doing it at, at that point in time as well. So yeah, that's the story I remember is like chatting with you. And then I remember the day you, I got to Charleston first and you got, you came down a couple days later and you rolled up like in your like red, whatever yeah, car like that Monte was. Carlo. Oh yeah. God. And you got out, right. And we were at the practice space and you got out and you were like, dude, I saw a fucking UFO on the way. Oh, you, oh yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, dude. Oh, cause we used to always talk about shit like that. And you're like, yo, and then told us this whole story about seeing like an unidentified flying object on your way down from Texas. Yeah. It was a weird, that was a really weird experience because it was three three things in a row that i saw that was really weird all right yeah and were they red it was yes so two mm. of them were red yeah i saw things fly over top of the highway really fast like right above the tree lines and it was wow. too yeah. close that's and a really close yeah that's a close sighting and then um it was just way too shallow to the ground and everything. And then I was like, what's going on? There must be a runway on the other side. I saw another thing go over lights that went like a perfect bell parabola shape from the treetop to the treetop with like the peak of it, of its height being over top of the middle of the roads that's in between these two tree lines. And then, yeah. Yeah. So then I looked off to the left and saw some weird portal thing, dude. I don't even know. I hardly tell anybody about that just because it's so weird. And I've seen a bunch since, but yeah, so, I've seen something similar too, though. And that's like, we'd always relate on shit like that because if anybody wants to talk about, uh, the paranormal, uh, spiritual experience or psychic phenomenon, I've, I've probably experienced or done most of it. So true. You are that one other guy actually and <laughs> there's um dude that's that's why i love you too man <laughs> it's like i can't talk to that many people about that stuff but but we, yeah that was the memory i had you showed up yo, and got out and you were like you'll never believe it yes, just like and then, so and then we just scared, jumped like, right into practice yeah. you know and that was that was normal life for us for like a year while we were doing that it was just yeah. always that type of shit so we had we had two different houses for the band yeah, yeah we were in a band called this is home i really feel like after we left that duplex that we lived in with like 17 people uh i think i think this is home was over at that point and then we then yeah, we tried savage we, we tried to do something with me and you and it just kind of you know i think life started to pick us off yeah the way that the way that it does man that's kind of how it happens and dude yeah I mean, we managed to both stay in music but we kind of had to find our own ways to do it in order to do that yeah because that was back when uh we had to work day jobs you know what i'm saying oh god get... you remember working at gringos and oh. rolling bur burritos for that yep and yeah, zappos yeah zappos yeah. <laughs> yeah phil phil got me every single job i had uh when i was in the band with him I would like, he would get a job somewhere and I'd just be like, I don't know. I just start working there. I don't even remember interviewing for any of them. <laughs> I, was like, I think I would just show up He's too. Fine, like, <laughs> no, you don't even have to background check him. Yeah. That was, uh, those were interesting times. Yeah. Completely different times now. And so since then you have, while we were living together for, in the, this is home, house two off savage it was mm -hmm. like i feel like that was where some of like i started seeing you get into engineering yeah Remember? it became a necessity man i mean the story i tell with me and engineering like stone cold engineering outside of songwriting performance was just um it was a necessity i think a lot of the things that i wanted to do with my music and a lot of things i wanted to hear happen i would 
work with other engineers and i mean they would do a really good job but it wasn't it wasn't hitting the way that i wanted it to i had a lot of just like future ideas so i had to start yeah. learning how to do it myself in order to get those across you know i think now for me like i can say like the industry is pretty caught up you know i think most people yeah um you know if you want to do like a a big thing a big memory for me was when i was working on a record here in charleston my first solo record uh with josh kaler at um hello telescope which doesn't exist anymore josh kaler used to have a studio with jay clifford from uh, jump little children right on warren street i think like right across from uh, oku there's like a little house there and it used to be one of the coolest fucking studios i mean they recorded like uh, william fitzsimmons which put out a record at that time that was like really popular in the indie scene that i loved and of course jay did his solo record there um uh, Silver Tomb for the Kingfisher is what it's called. Such a fucking amazing record. Um, I went and finished my solo record there, and in the mixing process, I was I there was something I wanted to hear, and like I I had suggested you know doing direct reverb, and that was just something that nobody did at the time. Really, it, it was all just like bust in. Yeah, all all ox or bust reverb. It was like really like strange to do like a super saturated like lead vocal and mm -hmm. verb. And I and it and I never really got it on that record like the way I wanted it like automated and stuff. And yeah. like, um, that was like just one of those examples, just one of the examples where right. I was just like, fuck, like I'm gonna need to learn how to do this myself to see like where the limitations actually are versus like. Because I mean, sometimes like creativity can't translate into a certain medium in a certain way. Yeah, you sometimes know, there are there are limitations to it. Um, but I needed I needed to go and learn that myself. Like I had to like learn to be like a stone cold, traditional like really by the book good engineer and like bring my creativity to it, so I could see where the creativity fit in with like what's capable actually in the medium. Um, exactly. So that's why I got into it. I mean, that was such a fucking long and hard journey isn't dude seriously <laughs> getting the grip on on really audio engineering especially when yeah. so it's really important that you even like express all that stuff because i think that's a lot of what a lot of people go through when they're first grap trying to grapple with engineering mm -hmm. and even like production and creativity and just understanding like what is doing what even on like a compressor like, yeah it's stuff like that there's there's just i mean realistically man i mean i considered myself you know i'd been in a, some of the more successful projects you know out of our state at that point i'd experienced a lot more than a lot of people my age right and diving into that i was i mean i had more advantages than a lot of people and it was still the most fucking hard difficult thing i've probably ever taken on in my life you know i mean you anyone that asked me like i always say like like right now where I'm at with engineering and mixing and producing, like, yeah, I'm the best I've ever been, but I feel like I just got good like a year and a half ago. And I've been doing this for like seven, eight years, like committing my life to it, you know? Dude, yeah, because what engineers now have to do is pretty much deliver a product that is like that of which coming out of million dollar studios and all that stuff well, now, now i have one though, which is yes nice. yeah. so <laughs> matt has done the up he's done the level up on his studio which is so awesome dude you actually got to so you've been engineering like i'd say like with a purpose now with what do i say clients mm -hmm. for maybe four or five five years five, years. five maybe yeah i'll give it five years and uh, I mean, realistically, I said that about the the space that we have at the lab now, but none of that, none of the upgrade that's happened wouldn't be possible without my partner, um, Daniel. Go ahead, plug your studio um, for listeners. Like, how do you spell it on Instagram and anywhere else? Um, yeah, it's the the lab, T-H-E-L-A-B underscore S-C. And Instagram is probably where we're most active. Yeah, it's me and, uh, me and Daniel. I always, you know, everybody was like telling me that his last name was hard to pronounce and now I can't even do it properly, but it's like not hard to pronounce at all. It's exactly how it's read. Like you got faked out by Yeah, it. <laughs> dude, and now, and now, cause like everybody, I'd be like, oh, Daniel Hen Hen Henderson or something. <laughs> and like, 
it's totally normal like that but like everybody i talked to about it for years before meeting him was like oh, i don't know how to say it it's some like russian thing but it's not oh my it god it doesn't so it's just like in my brain is like yeah i don't even attempt it it's fucking crazy weird but that's funny um yeah we on the on the space together he used to have a space called ozone studios and he has a ton of just amazing gear he's a wonderful engineer he's a pro tools uh certified expert he Whoa. can teach classes on it dude pro um, tools one thing i definitely don't know a damn thing about yeah i don't i don't run pro tools either and it's um it's always come up kind of in my career as like i, I should learn it won't take me very long yeah um but it's like i don't know i'm kind of at, at a point where i'm really just doing my own thing like full production is kind of where i live right now i'll get a client that brings me a song and they might have like you know vocals and piano or just vocals and then i'll just produce the whole thing right like full instrumental based off just the vocals or like their song and it's awesome or we'll just work together and write a song that's the real deal um, and i and i just i'm so comfortable with logic i'd rather do it in logic but you know stuff comes up all the time where somebody will call me and be like hey can you come to atlanta and do a session for like so and so and i'll be like yeah if they have logic yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it's it's drawback like when you're a new engineer like you know stepping into the national scene for some stuff you yeah. know that almost gives people pause which isn't great but i also don't really give a shit at this point because i i mean i gotta be honest i got so much other stuff going on i've been doing this so fucking hard for you know five six years it's not that i have burnout but i definitely work less than i used to i mean i used to work uh, six to ten hours a day seven days a week for years straight it made me a little wild it made me good but like a little wild in my mind yeah so i don't work as much yeah. you know i take my time on things and they turn out better than they ever have i take less clients I'm, i make people send me demos before i even work with them at this point um and it's just worked better for me and I, i'm not really on that like hunger kick while i'm staying up at 2 a.m looking at instagram and seeing what jason joshua was doing be like man i want to be that fucking guy like, <laughs> i don't really feel that way anymore i'm happy just doing my boutique music i mean i'd love for stuff that i work on to you know have legs and do really well in the industry that'd be wonderful and i think my work and my mixing and my production should be able to do that to a degree you know but there's a lot of factors that are involved in that and that's a longer conversation of course so. yeah exactly nowadays you got different levels to the come up it's um yeah there's different levels to the come up nowadays where i'd say that sorry, pretty much level one is like being able to work just on music say whether that be like teaching guitar lessons or um yeah you know recording people or being a stagehand or something yeah just getting you in yeah like full-time in the music industry and normally and normally when you hit that stage whatever you're doing like you'll be you're like so fucking stoked about it you're right. like i can't believe it you know like oh, really <laughs> and then you know you get to deeper levels in it and you go oh my god how did i <laughs> how did i survive doing that for oh. however many years that that period was you know and yeah everybody's gotta do, do their diligence <laughs> in the beginning man no matter what it is and then so level yeah. two then fourth would be say doing just like your music stuff whether it be like you just running your own studio like yeah whatever whatever your like, goal was or running you know? like your venue yeah if you're like in in the live space like being being an a1 at a venue or something is like a major level of success it's hard to do because people stay in those jobs you know that's the whole thing i could talk about with my experience in charleston versus what i'm doing now i guess i will but i mean on the broader thing we we're talking about level one level two i mean not really fair to label it like that because everybody's trajectory is different but oh yeah it's just too but disambiguate but the level two is normally like the thing that got you into it that you wanted to be doing like you're probably like a lot closer to doing that full time and experiencing what it's really like to have the thing that you always wanted and it's always different than you expected yeah you know and you know scaling <laughs> upwards it, yeah like just other levels and stuff like I, I will speak on this because i feel like it's something that i didn't realize until i realized and it's good info but like in the live world you think about it um charleston we've got wind jammer poor house farm hall 
Royal uh, and uh, Purple Buffalo, maybe. If I forgot anybody, it's cool. Whatever. This yeah. is just an, an yeah, illustration. That's much all of them, for the most part. They all have A ones, right? They all have like their guy that does most of their shows. He's like their main audio tech that gets paid every night to come out there. Okay. They they love this guy. This guy doesn't want to leave his job because it's hard to get in that position. And there's only you know seven per city if you're wow. lucky, and that's yeah. a big city, right? So it's like the reality of like landing one of those positions is difficult. So I wanted to split my time between live and studio just because I don't like being in one environment constantly. So, you know, I, I had some, I've, I've, you know, I'm friends with like everybody that most, most friends with most of the, everybody that does like live stuff or, or works in the industry in Charleston. Yeah, you so are. even the guys would, you know, they'd try to throw me a bone and put me on stuff and like let me work in. But the reality that I kept facing in Charleston was just like, yeah, you're you're not going to get an A1 gig or even an A2 gig somewhere unless somebody fucking dies straight up because Dude. like no one's leaving wow. and there's no openings. Yeah, you take like like one or maybe even yeah at least one per venue and like you said there's yeah. only so many of those yeah so it's just like that was the reality so i was kind of boxed out from really doing much like having a home here well then you started doing sound at okay well yeah i'll, I'll tell the story first, yeah. i'll tell the story so i mean i just kind of forgot about doing live and was working other stuff and doing other things and eventually i got a call from some friends of mine that i went to school with like you know at winthrop back in the day like will stillinger called oh yeah me. And uh, he was like, hey, man, like our company is trying to like start branching into venues. They're they're doing this and that. He was talking about the people that we work for uh, the Middletons. Greg Middleton's a good friend of mine. His sister, Sarah, is a good friend of mine and their dad, Scott. They all work together and they're the owners of the place that I that I essentially run for them right now. But uh, I went up there and took a meeting. Will Will got me on the phone was like, hey, like we need help with this venue. Like, can you point us in the right direction? Blah, blah, blah. So I went up and did like a consultation on what they were thinking on like, it, it, there's a lot of a lot of like little details and nuances that I'll skip because it can get complicated. But right. basically like I was just like, yeah, y'all need like this, this and this. Like they needed a full build out of a team. And um we had that in varying degrees for a while and kind of now it's like me and one other guy that are really running the whole place and as far as the main stage goes i do most of that i do the booking i do i'm the production manager so i do staffing and i work a1 uh you know two three times a week ld one and um yeah and i do like 50 percent of like you know gathering the marketing materials and like organizing everything on the back end so dang that's a lot yeah it really is i mean normally like the the job that i do is normally dispersed among about three different people but <laughs> I, I just do all yeah. of that myself that's currently. hefty that really is yeah it, it, it truly is but um when you get a handle on it you know it's it becomes a little more rote and you get a system and it's not too much so like the production managing was all I was doing in the beginning and it took me, you know, a month or two to like really develop a system that worked that like I wasn't like every day having to think about it. I just kind of like program something out, get my schedule set, know that it would work, trust the guys, have them trained. And that worked out fine. We just operate. But then I just got more and more responsibilities and had to learn how to, to automate essentially or systemize everything that I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that's definitely <coughs> like that's definitely next level managerial type stuff. So what yeah. were your first opportunities in live sound before you got to launch um, um, and build out main course? John, John Barry, a shout out to my good friend, John Barry. Shout out. Um, he had been uh, like an intern at the farm and doing some small gigs like to bully and stuff when he was in college. And we just had a conversation at a bar last night, or not last night, but like one night, like years ago. <laughs> at Sorry, that time, like, the last night. Yeah, that I um, that I barely remember, you know, at this point, and probably barely did then because I was probably so hammered. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just, I mean, we hit it off and we related on a lot of things. And he started a company called Resound Media Group that does. Um, at the time, we were doing like live video and live recording. Um, you know, I would be like the audio engineer that would pull sound source from the board um 
like you like an X32 might or like whatever they normally yeah. have like USB out that you can like run into like whatever doll you have. I mean track out and mix. Yeah, so I'd catch that and I'd do mixes for him and they do video and we like pair it all together for a live thing. We're like an independent company that did that. Resounds uh, evolved a ton and is like really mainly in the classical space now. He is like the Gilliard Auditorium. Well, that's his spot. He John runs Gilliard now. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I haven't so, been there since they renovated. <clears throat> yeah, we do that. We do a festival, a color music festival. We're the production team for that. Color music festival? Mm-hmm. That's in it's, Columbia? It, it travels. Oh, it so does. We did Sacramento. I got to go to Sacramento what? last December or November or something. How was it? Uh, it was great. It's really tiring work. Um, the first couple of days were the sh were like the shit though because it was just rehearsal and I had some time to explore the city on my own, which okay. is beautiful. That's awesome. But once we get into shows, you just you just wake up and work until you go to sleep. It's fucking, <laughs> it's a lot. Ooh, it's like, <coughs> yeah, it's like the whole life. Yeah. Um, and then so. But yeah, yeah no, John. Like John kind of got me my start. You know, gave me like the opportunity and like the trust to like go out and get like hands-on experience and really that's where i did most of my work was freelance stuff you know for a lot of years and i'd do a few things at like farm and hall if they needed it like an extra hand or something but it was the situation that i explained earlier to where there just weren't really any gigs but i saw you you weren't you doing sound at like purple buffalo for a second too oh uh, i did like one or two gigs there one or two um but i just think i mean dan's great but i think he gelled better with other people mm. you know and then and that's been my situation since i've been in charleston so much it's just like i don't know i am who who i am with things and i, I don't know it's just some i don't i can't place it because nobody ever comes up to me and goes hey man i don't like you oh. or whatever but oh of course no but there's but there's always been you know in certain spots like i won't even name them but it's just like there's always been like some stuff like that that's just kind of kept me out uh, you know, man, when, it's when I've when I've been like, like that. When, I, when I've clearly been a, a better engineer and a better fit than other people that Ooh. have gotten the job. You know, well, so. you know that probably is why you know when people end up not wanting their position compromised by it's you know it's kind of here nor there. That's like kind of shit that I was dealing with forever, and that's that was my experience in the studio world too, man. Like, I tried to get an internship at Truphonic before I started my own place. And like I knew people that had internships there and I knew a lot more than they did. Ooh. And like I got written back like, oh, we only accept people that have like this type or that type. And like it just wasn't true. This type or that type of what? I don't remember at this point. But like I got I denied an internship at like every fucking studio in town for like and I just couldn't figure out like what was going on. So I started my own place and I started yeah. stealing their clients. Yeah. You know? I mean, so the, when you are dealing with this, it's like the work speaks for itself as far as engineering is concerned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And To a degree. To a degree. <laughs> to a degree. To a degree. I mean, like, there's only so much you can do if you're really bad. Like, you know what I mean? Well, so I'll, it's like, I'll say it goes both ways, too. I mean, like, um, you can be really popular. I've... I mean, in my experience from what I see, I'm not going to name any names, but you can be really popular and a lot of people can think your work is great, but like fundamentally, maybe it's not that great, but you, like, just, you just have hype. You like know? certain like XXX songs where it's just like blown out. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said, but it's a taste thing too. And it, it really does. It, a lot of it comes down to, you know, the vibe of the people that you're working with and the energy that you want to put into it, man. And, um, I don't know my my mo has always been to just find another path around if i get resistance somewhere you know yeah and that's what i've always done and it's worked out pretty decently so far you know i've kind of i feel like i have my own like version of like home home base with like the work i do which it took a very long time to find to like find my people you know yeah, Walter Brown was one of those in the beginning for sure. I remember. Yeah, man, we've always <laughs> me and Walt got so lucky, dude. That was like uh, probably the most serendipitous relationship I've had, other than working with uh, El Mortal, which I, I love him to death too. But oh, yeah. uh, we just we related on like every every level of it, and that that was like a very you know we felt like we were on the same rocket ship essentially. Which is, <laughs> it was it was such a good time working with Walt. That's special. Now, what do you think is it is that gives you like your signature 
Like if somebody listens to a record by you in like a multiple choice where it's like you have to pick which one is Matt's, like what mm. do you think it is that helps distinguish your your like X factor within your engineering? It's hard to say because um depends on the genre. You know, I work on a lot of different stuff, right? So it's really it's tricky to say. I think I've done more hip hop music than I have anything else, but it's so dependent on the song. Is it like, you know, maybe even like certain post-production techniques like, mm. you know, like I mean, I'm always going to I'm always going to squeeze like more like if the song calls for it, I'm probably going to put more violence into it than a lot of other producers would. That's cool. That's always been something that I do is I make shit like pretty pretty fucking heavy. Like if a so if a recording artist brings in say just like a wave file, like the song is just on one one single mm -hmm. file yeah. then do you will will you go in and like supplement with uh it depends violins like it depends and and violence isn't always the the thing i mean that's just for heavy music you know i tend to work on more melodic stuff than i do anything else or it's just beautiful as well so um but yeah i just it, it's so this the song kind of dictates what it is i mean granted i do have like my own techniques or whatever but i'm always trying to evolve you know and, and still doing the same thing that everybody does where i'm trying to learn like stuff that i'm like man that's cool as shit like i'm still like trying to do things like that like bj bj burton's probably my favorite producer uh and like in the in the game right now who's he uh producing for uh he did the japanese houses full link record he he's a, a pretty big role in a lot of the bonnie Vare music um oh. ba banks's last hurt the pop art avant-garde pop, pop singer banks, banks her last record that has contaminated on it is his production his stuff is very cool very abstract incredibly heavy incredibly beautiful like he just really hits the the full spectrum what's his name again bj burton okay yeah. i'm gonna check him out after the fact actually because if he's somebody that you actually vouch for in that regard then yeah, imagine. i imagine i listen to everything he puts out the only record he's ever released that i don't think is brilliant is this record uh put up by an artist called empress of i'm just kind of like yeah. It just was like I, I, I don't every like, everybody I don't has. Like yeah, I don't I don't love that one, but like everything else that he makes is just uh, it always just has so many things that are just like so cool, you know. Like something that makes it seem like it's way more than just like vocals on a track that's oh, mixed yeah. well. It like it, it didn't like that, man. It's a different level, bro. It really is, and that's that's like where I'm at now. Is like. As I was explaining before, I only work on certain songs, I only work with certain people, and like I take my time on stuff. Like, I just got a single finished and mastered and ready for release, like with the video for this artist that I we started working on in December, and I didn't finish it until like two weeks ago. Well, you know, sometimes it, it takes the amount of time it does take to do it. And it's, and it's it. allowing myself kind of like the room to explore on stuff i mean because i can go through and do things quickly and like get them done but like at this point if i'm gonna make music i want to be able to like play it next to the stuff that i love and be like yeah dude like i it's like right there yeah know? exactly and that's and i'm able to do that now with the right amount of time and, mm -hmm. and with the right you know materials so. exactly now something that i was curious of when you were mentioning this earlier about when you started to just take the the creative liberty and initiative to practice your own production like techniques like the things mm. that you would ask for from engineers that right. you that you felt like didn't all you didn't hear mm -hmm. but then you're mm -hmm. going for it how did how long did that like was it what you expected? Are you able to do what you thought that you'd be able to do? And yeah, you know, it was when I started, um, I don't even, it's weird, man, because like when I started, I'd go for stuff that I'd still do now. And it just didn't, it wouldn't work the same. Like it just wouldn't work. Like when I started, I'd be like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm missing, you know, but now like I can do anything I can think of. And I think that just comes with 
you know practice and just being an actual like better engineer well yeah exactly you know? like you got to know how this is going to sound good and why it's going to sound good in the mix and i gotta i gotta send you the uh the thing i just finished because i mean it's got a few of the this the things that i would want to try in the past that wouldn't work that just like are easy to do now that do work you know stuff like granularizing a vocal like throughout a phrase while putting like an upward you know expansive reverb on it so it hits on a downbeat and breaks apart into like a bunch of pieces and the new vocal slides in and blah 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 just like shit yeah, that, that's what i like to hear shit that i would like imagine before and be like you know i think it's possible but it just wouldn't work out now it's just like i don't know i just i can just do it you know yeah and it takes a while knowing what plugins you want to use in certain times for different yeah. things like like why would i why would I use a digital reverb versus a plate versus a spring for a certain like instrument or voice or Yeah, I mean, bro, I mean, at the end of the day it's experimentation, but it just takes time, you know, cuz your your brain and like everything about what you're doing has to catch up to just you know, taking all the lessons in. I mean, you can <laughs> You can sit there and like get a piece of paper and shit and like take notes on the difference between all the sounds and stuff but like internalizing them truly is yeah. it's just a different experience you know and i'd rather be able to truly use those things instead of talk about them you know granted i can probably do both but i certainly favor like there's there's a lot of um producers and engineers i know that like aren't the least bit technical man but they're just they've done it for so long that they just make crazy shit you know huh, okay so it's starting to get a little stuffy in here can we just take a, a five minute break cut on the ac yeah walk sure, around sure, all right sure. we'll be right back hello and we're back with matt tootin the great engineer of the lab sc recording studio here in Charleston and yeah so we were last talking about pretty much like the difference between engineers and stuff like that um vaguely speaking but uh let's let's talk about dude, I want to talk about the main course a little bit more your venue in Columbia okay. it seems to be doing really well and mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what what's on the like the platter for the rest of the year or at least like up till summer or whatever for y'all um you know we're still doing so like an edm monthly with player one uh we do a lot of hip-hop and r&b uh so we're doing that we're doing that and that's that's kind of what our calendar looks like really i mean our venue has been like lucky enough to be really embraced by like uh, the Columbia R and B and hip hop community. So that's mainly what we're doing. So for like R and B and hip hop, is it are y'all bringing in some like bigger regionals with mm, like openers? Yeah, or, like... we're doing some of that stuff probably starting in August. I just got linked up with this guy, uh, A B Mosley is his name. He was a uh, you know, is still a pretty big producer. Was a really big producer. He's worked on like Tupac. He did Marvin Gaye's last record wow um i don't know whatever i can like name all the plaques he has but what's the point but um he we're, we're linking with him to do an event series and you know i just just kind of got put onto that randomly so i think we've got some stuff coming up with him uh which would be cool and uh I'm trying to think if there's any you know we do like tributes and stuff it's really like our main goal is to provide a place that's like a nice spot like a nice sit down venue for people to go to because we don't really have that in columbia i don't think we have it in charleston either place where you can go to like dinner and catch a show that being we do that but i mean obviously we pull the tables out and pack that shit out too but wait it's, so it's an actual restaurant mm -hmm. yeah, that's we, from they serve time? they serve like 40 dollars steaks and shit in there bro like, wow wait so <laughs> you you had that in mind from the get-go too no no what, how did that even end up happening because that's what it was before and then they called me and like i thought i was working on a different project and the next thing i know i mean i am still working on a different project we're building a brewery that in one of the buildings behind the brewery or whatever is gonna be like a 2000 cap venue so like very big um so you're that's not another yeah, one yeah but that's what i thought i was going to columbia to do like a year and however long ago it was and all of a sudden i'm building a stage in this restaurant and i was like i don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I just kind of did what I needed to do just to make whatever was happening around me work for the longest time. Now, now we sort of have more of an identity, but yeah, it was just a restaurant and that had a bunch of fucking golf bays in it, like top golf, like golf simulators. What? Pulled all those out and we stuck a stage in there and then it Whoa. was just suddenly a venue and I didn't even really know that that was plan until was it I called up what was it called before it was called the main course before that's why it's called that you know it doesn't make a lot of sense for like a venue name but that's just what it was i mean man. it, 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 it kind of works like i didn't think any, i didn't actually think anything yeah it doesn't even like it doesn't out. fucking matter i mean it's yeah. like a band name you know you can call your band anything it doesn't matter yeah you know? <laughs> so yeah that's a little more of the story there i mean it's just like a kind of really random chaotic project but you What's, know you just for me i just kind of sit in the middle of the storm and just fucking try to conduct it you know make it work and so far it has <laughs> what are some of the best shows y'all have had there to date uh cowboy mouth was lit when we did cowboy mouth uh obviously the one you were at was pretty great um we've done some country stuff that i really enjoyed um reed softball band was really dope um masculine bloodline was super cool there is uh some other acts from nashville that have come through that have just been amazing a lot of bands from nashville are are just on another level good bro like they come in and they do their own monitor setup a lot of the time so they're they're what we call self-contained so like as a front of house engineer you don't even do anything for them they set up their own mics they set up everything they you know tailor what they need in their own mixes and you just mix the tails of what they send so you you mix like an already like thought out and perfected send and just like do volume essentially wow for the front of house and it's such a great experience there's a band <clears throat> a girl that used to be from charleston her name's uh hayley may campbell and she's got a band out of Nashville, and they came in, and they were, they sounded exactly like a record, like while they were playing. And the whole Dang. the whole time, I was just like, "This is cr it was crazy." Like you you realize that there's a lot that the <coughs> artist and the band members can do to really make sure that it. Oh yeah, translated. I mean, they're, they're, that's the thing. Like bands, so many bands are pretty clueless on how to make themselves sound good. Like your amp selection, like your your amp, you know, selection, your cabinet selection, should be different for every band that you play in. In reality, like if you, I mean, obviously a lot of people can't afford that, but I mean that's the reality at a high level. Like you tailor make your sound for the project that you're in. I always did that in the past. Um, I like sell whatever I had at the point and like try to build something that worked for the project. But like doing that and then, you know, if you're touring a lot, having your own like self-contained thing where you really essentially like create the sound that you want ahead of time and just send that to the FOA as it tails, like FOH. It's uh it's such a intelligent thing to do, depending on the level of touring you're doing. If you're not touring with a, your own front of house guy, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Whew. Which I'd I'd imagine like a lot of the big ones just that just comes with the territory. Yeah, they 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 do. I mean, they do all that, and they have like you know two two main techs and like two hands that travel with them. You know, you, so, we've all seen that. So. Yeah. So the country gigs are pretty good. Yeah, at, yeah. At I was court. yeah. I, we don't really do much of it anymore. You know, like I said, our target markets kind of change. It's very much hip hop and R and B. We're we're trying to. Um, give that scene a platform because there's so much insane talent in that pool that just you know they they play like their local gigs in Colombia and they're some of the best players in, in the world literally like i my mind is blown by our we have a guy <clears throat> named mike stone that plays two gigs a week at the club he does like a thursday night gig and a s saturday brunch and it's always like wall-to-wall -wall packed like people can't even get a seat and uh him and his Whoa. band are so good bro what's they're, the band uh they're called just the mike stone band or he just goes by mike stone and he has a band and they're they're all unbelievable bro like truly like, like all of them are amazing they're pretty country no 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 they're they're not they're like an r&b band r&b band dude that's what's up man i i don't see enough like r&b bands um yeah yeah it's you know what I, mean? I mean i didn't either until i started working there and like mike was already already there he was already contracted to play and i came in and met him and started seeing like more of the scene him and like terrence young's like another like uh guitar player 
that's like kind of in that scene but Terrence is almost like more of a rock guitar player and he's he's fucking sick dude and like these guys are incredible you know I mean they're truly like national talent level and um you know we're we're trying to you know obviously get them a paycheck and but even more so give them hopefully a platform to springboard off of that's kind of the goal and the vision of what we're doing there so yeah absolutely like y'all's venue could be that launching ground i mean we've we've heard about it in the past with legendary venues like around the world and country that you know really it was like that one place in mm -hmm. like columbia or Charleston or like yeah, new yeah, york yeah. los yeah. angeles and there, like there's everybody. there's always and i mean at that capacity too a lot of that great stuff was born from a venue that was just so accepting to everything you know i mean we, we have a, a pretty high overhead and we have to like be really scrutinous on the shows that we put in i wish we could do more for like everything and really help drive you know the art community um and, and and we're able to do that right and to a certain degree but like we have to make a certain price point on the shows and a lot of stuff that i would want to program it just doesn't make sense for our room you know which is a, which is kind of an unfortunate reality but uh you know guys like that that are already a bit established that you know can still get a leg up they're like like i said literally some of the greatest players i've ever seen I mean, we, we can do that, and we we have that going on, like, every night of the week where we play. So. so, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how, if that, say a listener that's a really good musician or has a really awesome band, how can they get, get in contact with you? Just oh, for I have, a, I have the like, record. a work email. Yeah, what's the work email? It's like, not, are you comfortable with putting yeah, that Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care, and if I don't get back to you, I'm, I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> But it is, yeah, I do appreciate getting to check out stuff when I can. Um, it's just M-T-U-T-O-N at L-T-C-H-S dot com. That's my work email. All right. And then, um, so I'm curious, do you have any, what's like your, the next best EDM artist you have coming through? Oh, uh, we're doing Vector next month. Vector, where's Vector from? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't, dude. I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> no, there's so many producers Jake, Jake now. Just, like Jake, just like will hype it up to me, and I'll be like, "Sounds good, man." Like I don't even know what you're saying. He'll be like, "Yeah, bro, it's like jungle bass." Like, and then there's like this other type of bass on the show, and I'm like, "I it." Those two things are different that I just heard. Yeah, like, like really? No, it's like the subgenres of uh, the subgenres. I love I love listening to people talk at those shows. Like I'm trying to remember a conversation. One of the girls that worked for Jake, her name's Emily. She was talking to somebody, and I just overheard. And she was like, "Yeah, you know, this girl's like more into like house tech jam, and I'm like way more of a bass head, you know. So we don't really go to the same kind of shows." And I was just like. Well, you know, I mean, I get it from the shit that I used to listen to, like metalcore and like death grind, like all the subdivisions. I, I understand completely, but like I, I'm fucking old. I'm fucking old now, so it's just funny as shit to me now, dude. It's, exactly. it's all just like, wah, 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 oh wah. yeah. Anyway, oh no, you, know. you remember back when we were doing Fuck. the um, <laughs> back when we were doing our own video for release? I think it was uh, when we were in This Is Home and. We were getting, we were going around with oh, the portable boom. Oh, <laughs> yes, that was, I love that. Dude, that was like when I first ever heard anything dubstepy at all. Oh, right. Yeah. You're, the girl you were dating like way back then made us, made you a mixtape and then it became like our mixtape. Wait, used, what? That's where the song that? came from. Bullshit, was that like Jess or something? No, 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 it was Alicia. Uh-oh. -uh. Yeah. Wait, that had Borgor ice cream on it? Yes. <laughs> That was like we had Maybe this weird <laughs> this weird mixtape that we as a band used to just for a period it's like all we listened to and it was all just absurd like silly songs and we love that shit. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I I can't believe like dude, dubstep when it first came out, I was like I don't know. Maybe every other dubstep dubstep song, except for like that one ice cream song by like Borgor, that one yeah. was like catchy to me. It was. It was cool. And then, um, and then pretty much I thought like all other. Oh, we should explain. We didn't explain what you're talking about with the release video, though. Like what we actually <laughs> yeah, no, did. You're right. Let's explain that. You you can explain it because you're so, the one that came up with the idea, from what I remember. Oh my god. So yeah, I was like, I guess it was me, but basically the idea was to film people dancing to music 
that was not our music, <laughs> but then just basically edited over on top of our music. So it seems like the people who are dancing to this absurd dubstep, which it was no better than like, we almost like had a better shot at just like, getting people to dance through our, our, our tracks at that but time. But it wouldn't have been funny. No, it wouldn't have been <laughs> as funny. It would not have been as funny because the shock value, <coughs> like, we're just like, all right, I, like, I don't know. We were just on some, we don't even care at all. Go up into the, called Charleston, what was it, a library store? Just, like, we all walk in, like, you're holding it up, like, way in the air, and it's just like, bah, 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 bah. and we're, like, <laughs> yeah. in the bookstore, and we're like, so, we're here doing a documentary about dancing and music, who wants to dance for us, and people yeah. would just be like, uh, maybe? Everybody, everybody would, but they'd be, like, embarrassed, so it, like, wasn't even that great a lot of the time. <laughs> That's so accurate, yeah. Yeah, you know, we were, we were all about, like, I mean... I don't know if you could call them social experiments. I can't give us enough credit. Like we're some type of scientist or some <laughs> shit. Like actually, but we were like, like everything we did had that type of degree to it with that band. You know, we were all about like I don't know societal structures and stuff, and uh, we'd find our own silly ways to just like kind of fuck with the fabric of of, of stuff. You know, and it was just fun. Yeah, <laughs> y'all can go check that out still on YouTube. That is, you just type in this is home and then release music video yeah, good luck finding that yeah <laughs> it might be under this is home tv if that's still the channel name all one word but um that band was cool though i enjoyed the music <laughs> yeah man that that's one that i really wish just got like a little bit more um exposure yeah we needed legs man we we had a life came and got us on that one i just remember it being like December, we'd been a band for a year. We'd released like two small EPs that were all pretty good. We we had the one thing we were really banking on. There was some agent that reached out to us for I don't remember the band, but they were like wanted to give us an opening spot on a tour, and we were just like wait. We were just find, trying to find shows or buy-ons or anything because we were ready to fucking play. You Seriously, know? we 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 didn't have any problem hitting up a lot of like. We love this band called The Rise of Science. We oh yeah. Know, we had no problem like contacting bands that were like regional bands and being like hey we want to do a tour and then we'd send them their music and they'd agree to go on tour with us like right away you know so I mean, yeah. we were a good band we just couldn't find we didn't couldn't navigate the industry quick enough to make it work for everybody because we were just broke as fuck and like <laughs> Just having, just had life, just wasn't letting us, letting us do it right, man. Yeah. At that time, so there's so many things to really just get, get through that first come up, dude. Especially yeah. as a band, man. Uh, like it's not what it used to be, um, you know. And like the music, the, the taste of music has changed. I don't know. I'll still see yeah. some people like that are just full-fledged listening to some like emo screamo stuff still mm -hmm. like i wouldn't make that i mean i don't make that anymore i still you know make i got a record i got like i got a whole record pretty much like i just gotta finish it type thing i got like pieces and blah 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 that i I'll probably will do eventually but yeah like a i solo mean record. none of that's really like that stuff you know there's parts there like there's one song that just does whatever it does i was in the mountains uh in a cabin working on it and um just using like pieces of the landscape and like doing like reversing stuff backwards and then layering it and pitch shifting it to create chords and stuff and doing do stuff like that with my vocals too to create the first half and then all of a sudden it just like goes to this period where like it was raining i opened the door and i just all the music stops and i just snapped and i was just like i've been waiting I can't remember the words now. It's like, I've been waiting, dissipating, but I won't wait no more. And then a little guitar comes in. It's like, dee, 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 and then it turns into a Blink-182 song, pretty much. Are you serious? With like auto-tune like, like auto on my vocals, like me singing like high, like I used to in This Is Home. It's just what? like, it's, it was just, it's just like, fuck shit. You know, I just do whatever I like wanted to with the oh, music. Yeah. Good. Because that's what it is now. So... Yeah, I just, I was like, <laughs> so there are like elements of like what kind of stuff I used to make in there, but like not, not a lot of it, you know? And something I've talked about on a couple other episodes is that it, it's so strange that it, 
what I hear about 20 years ago is like music kind of comes back in vogue, like whatever time frame you're in, it's almost like a recycling of about like at least oh, yeah. recently recent like i well it's I, all, really, I think it's always been the case you know i mean i don't know before the 1900s but <laughs> all theologians bro i mean they're one of their favorite things and is just to say like you know there's nothing new under the sun you yeah. know it's a thousand percent true it's like a a prophet isn't somebody that sees the future it's somebody that really understands the past wow that's wise you know yeah and so even with the blink sound that was about 20 years ago you know, yeah. and then what? How is it coming up now? Well, with, like, I think machine gun for me it wasn't. Kelly. I understand. I understand what you're saying, but I think for me it wasn't. And it probably is the same thing for the people that are kind of doing that now. It's more of just like if you're gonna make music, you want to have a good time with it, and if you want to express like the best parts of your life, you know, which for me was a lot of my childhood. It's like, why not do that? You it's know? like that in, kind in, of sound. instead of doing it to aim for something that's gonna fit in. I really would just do things like that just because it felt good, you know. That's the only type of music I'm trying to create right now. Yeah, know? no, it's I don't, so I don't easy care. to get caught up in yeah, what, I don't, a, what somebody would what you think somebody wants to hear. And it depends on where you're working, you know. It's like, luckily, I'm at a point in my life, and I hope I stay in this point in my life where I don't have to create. I don't have to create something that's going to be successful. You know, I can create what I want. Yeah, which is that's like. Important where i've wanted to be for the longest time because i want to see what i actually have to say right you know? and i think when you're trying to write for you know the market or whatever you're not i mean maybe you are but more than likely you aren't tapping into like really truly like what you have to say and to be able to express that too is a whole another level of uh proficiency in artistry but yeah like Imogen Heap was good with that God, yeah it's just one of my favorite artists of all time I mean nobody's like her you know because she really just played her internals you know her code her personal code that's yeah. what she did so I think for me like yeah her, being a big admirer of her like any new music I make that's kind of what it is if I don't feel like it's like truly like an expression of like uh, where I'm at and all that no matter how it comes out um, then it's you know I'm not playing to the market yeah like you know? you're now at a point in your career where you don't have to just like engineer whatever just to just to yeah. keep revenue going yeah because I mean you know hopefully when I release this record not if um, we'll see though but you know I would like my old fans to listen to it if they're still out there and some of them are man it's really interesting i'll post stuff of whatever i'm working on occasionally and like people will just come out of the woodwork people i didn't even know and they'll be like oh i've you know loved your vocals for 20 years or whatever so it's always really encouraging when i get that energy up and i start to put out just small pieces a lot of people show up and tell me that they've been like waiting for me to do something which is always great well that is good yeah so really it's like if those people want to enjoy like whatever the fuck i'm doing that's cool but like i mean i don't know unless i'm making music as like a true expression for myself and it feels like i'm getting like a true spiritual lease out of it it's just not it's not worth it i don't want to really make music that's that's really pure-hearted actually yeah i do appreciate hearing all that and that's that's like another level of um communicating like the essence behind and for your music creation that i haven't quite heard from um anybody else like quite yet in that regard on on the podcast so you know I, I believe it works for you and I'm proud of you. I do want you to tell us a little bit about some upgrades that you've made to your your studio, the lab. Mm -hmm. Tell us, I, I know you got, you, you've gotten some new hardware over the past. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, any nerds out there that are that have made it this far into the podcast, maybe they'll be <laughs> into it. And it's all this, all the new stuff's Daniel's gear, man. Um, yeah, he's he put a lot of money into it, you know. Which, like, uh, I've seen some pretty recognizable things in there. I'll just go down the list. So, um, Avalon 737, which is like full channel strip, compression, EQ, preamp, all that stuff. That was mine to begin with. That's what I'd done vocals on, and really just vocals for years, because Imogen had one. So I got, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was where that's, I came that's from. That's why I bought it. I bought uh -huh. it when I had like no money. I like spent everything I had to get it, because she had one. 
Uh, we got a Manly Vox box in there, which I won't go through my personal opinions on all these things unless I really love it. I don't really care for the Vox box though, but a lot of people love it. Uh, 1084 Bay, which is a model of the 1084 Neve, uh -huh. which like, you know, Sean Singh. Yeah, yeah. Sean is, uh, has been Young Thug's engineer for the past while or whatever. Oh, wow. I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and he, he works, so cool. he does Travis Barker and has done stuff with Kanye and blah, blah, blah. I talked to him a, 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 as much as I could when he first got the gig with um, Young Thug and his favorite vocal chain for hip hop was U87. 1084 into a co1b and we have that chain so for Whoa. right when i got that i was like i'm gonna use it and try it and like it was an interesting experience because gear doesn't make the record at all but it does help it fit in with what you're used to so you hear that particular signal chain on so many popular records that when you put it on yours it's a lot easier to mix it when you're like a being with stuff that's like super famous and sold a million records like it's so much easier to make it fit in on a playlist with something like that like my favorite chain that i have personally is like a luke audio which is like a handmade tube microphone thing out of nashville just into the avalon and it's it sounds fantastic in so many ways because there's a pop top that you can change the capsule on that makes like the the capsule sound different so this mic's super versatile and uh, I think that mic stands up to anything that I'd pay, you know, five, six K for that we have in the studio now, but it does have a certain coloration that the, like a real U87, just the slight, slight variances do make a difference, like on what you're going for, you know? Yeah. Um, <coughs> so we got all that shit. Um, what else? We got two distressors. We got those for drums. Uh, great for vocals if you're doing heavy stuff, because... We, I mean, we still do produce uh, like heavy records out of there. I love doing fucking hard, like hardcore music and shit. Oh damn! I didn't know you're still doing heavy stuff. Out yeah, there. yeah. I mean, I haven't done anything since the Quiet record I did um, that I can think of. I did some stuff for a DJ's band that was pretty heavy, but I mean, I love, I do love making heavy music. Um, distressors. What else am I forgetting? Um, we got. Okay, I'm visualizing it again. We're good. Um, <laughs> CO1B, uh, which is the tube tech, which is like sold out. You can't even buy them anymore. And it's like the most sought after compressor in the pop game and the R&B game. Uh, LA2A, a real LA2A, not like a copy or anything. What? That's one that I recognize. Yeah. Uh, I 11, 1176, blackface Ooh. and blueface. The blueface I built from a kit and I like it more than like the original blue face because the low mids are pumped it's like a little heavier uh it was built from a hairball audio kit and then with the black face we have is like an, ori an original la or a legend original 1176 uh we got two channels of ssl um from the top of the the board the mini board they have the six which i i love that thing uh shadow hills mono gamma which is beautiful on like r&b vocals it has such an extra layer of saturation and it has a transformer selection on it which is awesome is that a is that a compressor or a preamp or it's pre okay that's pre uh and then we have a neve 511 which is another these are 500 series stuff the show is monogam is 500 series as well classic dbx 560 which like they're so cheap you almost think of them as throwaways and then like you do your research or you just you fucking use one and it's like all Sade's vocals were tracked through that like greatest like vocal sound ever. Like, what is that? I don't know. I don't recognize the, the name the of that. Sade? No, I know Sade. What was the uh, DBX 560? It's a model of the I think the 160. The 160 is the rack version. The 560 is the so what is it like? series version. It's a compressor. It's a compressor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got an over easy mode on it that makes it kind of function a little bit like an LA2A, like kind of soft, and and it has okay. a regular like attack release mode that makes it you know a little yeah. heavier i don't really use that very often it kind of just sits but it is a great compressor um i've got an Altec that i that i did some work on it's like a five channel uh like like line amp line level preamp from the 60s uh, and then it's just a beautiful coloration it has a filter on it that really gives you a, a breath of sounds and um yeah we have a fucking ton of mics you know uh the newer ones are 
the U87 and the Manly uh, Vox Box Gold Edition, which is, I mean, very pretty. I prefer the U87 to the Vox Box almost in every case, though. And then, I mean, we have like 30, almost 30 mics in the mic locker, you know? Dang! That's yeah, I awesome. mean, you know, when you're doing drums and guitars yeah. and everything, it's just good to have a variety. Yeah, you really gotta start stacking them up. Oh, I just then, have that, this one. <laughs> yeah, and then the vocal twin, uh, the focal twins are the main monitors that we have, and those are fucking sick. They're like three-way monitors that, um, tie into our monitoring system where you can AB between those and the, the Genelec 533s. I can't remember that I have. What? So you can AB those in the, in that space, which is cool. Nice. And we got like a folk house sub too. And, uh, you can run the system on either logic. I mean, sorry, you can run the system. That, that is true, but you can run the system on either Apollo or Pro Tools HD. So it can function in like both ways. So like if you're a hardcore Pro Tools user and you need the HD rig, we have that, or you can use Apollo, which can be used on any doll. Yeah, the Apollo interface. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I've got I've got a six and a six or um, an eight and a six X or <laughs> all the numbers. An eight and eight X. I got two of those to run everything. We have a Neve Master Bus processor too for the Master Bus, so we can do analog mastering. What? Yeah, that's oh. my that's my newest like favorite edition that I use on absolutely everything. Yeah, I'll, I mean I use it in mixes too. I just sent something out to Jeremy at uh, Truphonic to to master for me, and I mean before I send it in in my mix phase, it's I mean that's all over it, you know. Just pull my limiters off and get it get it where it needs to be to send to him so he has enough overhead. But yeah, yeah, that's some of the new new shit we got. I mean, we have a whole synth wall in there too, which I love as well. What, dude? I need to step back in. It's been too long. Yeah, I mean, it's really. I mean, the lab is created around production. You know, we have multiples of every instrument that you could ever want, and like all sounds ready to go so it is it's made for like full song production it's not really just a recording studio granted it can function that way but i did design it as like a production house so you heard it from the man himself it is it's it's got to be one of the best studios in charleston now like considering what like his, matt's experience entails and what he's working with too which we obviously you know acknowledged it's not always the hardware you know it really it really is like what it you does, know it does it does help, help but it does help for sure but you know yeah you you gotta you gotta bring a good song and, and a, a good understanding that's more important than than the gear but the gear does it i mean if you're going for a national level product the gear's kind of it's kind of important yeah it's it's a new day and age and we are now able to engineer the things ourselves without having to go to the gatekeepers and mm -hmm. like the way at least it used to be like in that regard yeah i i can't even claim to know what the scope of the industry is like now the shit is just so different than it was so pick your own adventure yeah <laughs> like that goosebumps <laughs> style book but um yeah Anything else that you'd like to plug before we wrap no, it up here? I mean, shit, you really talked about like everything I'm doing as far as music goes. So that's pretty much it. Word. Well, thank you for being on. And always good to hang out with you, man. Yeah. And we got to get up soon. I really do want to like chop it up in the studio, find You're some excuse. You're welcome to come by whenever, bro. Justin, Justin Red, Strawberry Squad told me he was coming by two weeks ago or maybe longer than that now but, <laughs> but in in his his lovely ways i never saw him i wish i did though <laughs> so maybe he'll make it one time and you can come too word word yeah i'm looking forward to it. i'm looking forward to it all right y'all well this about wraps up i think this is episode nine of the pursuit of sound with double crown and matt tootin all right We'll catch y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in on Instagram Live. And y'all have a good one. Peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>